everyone. If you want to be more involved in the show, please make sure to follow our account on Instagram at therapistsoutofoffice. We will regularly ask questions that we will answer and dive into in our sessions on screen. We want to make this collaborative between us and you. Thank, Thank you for, for being, being here and enjoy the show. show. Welcome to Therapist Out of Office. I'm Lior Gal. I'm Maggie Lancioni, and we're both licensed therapists in private practice. Each episode, we will discuss mental health topics that are both mainstream and taboo from both the lens of a therapist and a human being. We show up with humor, authenticity, and vulnerability as we get into the educational nitty-gritty. So come on in, make yourself cozy, and welcome to your session outside of the office. Yo, 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 Lior. Hey, Mags. Welcome back. I don't know why I say welcome back. Where were you? Why are welcome back? (laughs) welcoming me back from from your downstairs area to the upstairs area (laughs) (laughs) welcome back to the pod there it is welcome back to the pod happy to have you all here yeah today's a really fun session because we're gonna be talking about all things attachment styles and I feel like attachment styles is such a buzzword and and I really I feel like it all started during the pandemic when we got to be on social media and we got to explain more about it um and people became more aware that we can have differing attachment styles in romantic relationships friendships with our parents et cetera et cetera um and I feel like a lot of us got really interested in identifying our own attachment style. Yeah, definitely. I'm curious, like with you being LMFT, like uh, licensed marriage and family, was this a huge part of your training? Huge. Like attachment? Yeah. 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 So for me, my thesis in grad school was on e- EFT, um, emotionally focused couples therapy, actually. And within that, I did a whole section on attachment because- Oh, fun. Yeah. When working with couples, a lot of a lot of the times couples actually come in with very different attachment styles. Not shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just distract. <laughs> so this is going to be great, Leo. You're going to be filled with such a plethora of information. So much knowledge. No, I think it's great because your training, I think really hyper-focused on this. And because you did a thesis on this, I think you'll just be able to come from like such a different lens too, rather than mm-hmm. like, you know, obviously I'm educated on it and I know the basics of it and I, you know, definitely, you know, see a lot of attachment styles playing out in mostly, obviously all of us in our relationships, but I think you're going to have such a unique and different and really cool perspective on working with couples and, you know, how intense that can be. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that even with individuals, because I, I do work with a lot of individuals, I think with almost every single one of my clients, I talk about attachment um, or it comes up in some capacity. I'm sure you feel that as well with your clients. Sure. Um, but I think the most important thing, and, and we can maybe start with this, is identifying what your childhood was like mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. sort of starting from that baseline, because that's that's really when attachment forms. Is yes. Yeah. In, in childbirth, right? It's so interesting because I work primarily with like perinatal and maternal Mm -hmm. mental health. So Mm -hmm. I work a lot with parents and mothers in particular who are like, I want my child to have a secure attachment. (laughs) (laughs) How do I do that? I'm so afraid I'm going to like fuck them up, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that's the number one thing that I always hear. And I know for myself, even I'm like, I need to figure my shit out before I have a, (laughs) a bring a kid into this world so that I can yeah help them have a, a secure attachment style where, where yes a part of that is for sure on the parents and and as we talk more about this attachment styles also can evolve and change with different relationships right like if you have a a toxic romantic relationship or a friendship that's going going to shape your attachment style as well mm-hmm. so. no absolutely yeah it's interesting you can have different yeah you can have different attachments with different people and you know, uh, different caregivers who provided you the secure attachment, different caregivers, caregivers who did not. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, we get into a little bit about what it's like to be, have that attachment with your therapist. I mean, you know, there's so many different kind of lenses and avenues to, to look at this from, which I think is going to provide for hopefully a really educational and relatable, maybe validating and helpful podcast episode. Absolutely. Um, something that you and I just actually spoke about right before we we hopped on and started recording was the monkey experiment. 
the what did we say it was called the, the, the rhesus i think rhesus monkeys rhesus monkeys i i know it was by harry harlow and the nature mm-hmm. of affection um it was it was a really interesting um experiment that that they did with monkeys um which i personally anytime there's an experiment with animals i get really sad mm-hmm. <laughs> um it breaks but your heart. it it breaks my heart because especially mm-hmm. monkeys are very very intelligent but mm-hmm. anyways um with this monkey and they really they per- look like little babies they are yeah they're little babies or like dogs oh i can't um but anyways uh so with the with the little monkeys they provided them with a food mom and a cloth mom so the food mom was the kind of like this cold dispenser of like food water nutrients um which the monkey needed right the, the mm-hmm. baby monkey was hungry and it needed it and then the cloth monkey mom was this like really cozy plush like monkey doll um that provided a lot of comfort mm-hmm. and in this study they were able to identify that monkeys actually preferred the cloth mom and that love and that support rather than getting fed by the that cold heartless you know that that (laughs) syringe it Um, was like a wire monkey it wasn't like made of wire and like not very welcoming but it did provide you know nourishment so it's like what would you it's almost like the like like what would you prefer like to be nourished and fed or to be loved and nurtured and supported coddled yeah and I remember and like hopefully my memory is not failing me because it's been almost 10 years since you know I finished my education but mm-hmm. I remember watching the video of this and though there was one monkey that like really clung on to the cloth monkey but was like trying to reach its little mouth over to the wire monkey to like still get food but like wasn't willing to let go of the cloth monkey because he she was so comfortable and cozy there but like knew I really do need food but I don't want to leave this monkey so it's like they're willing to like almost like starve themselves yeah to maintain like to have this affection and to feel this support and safety Exactly, exactly. And I think these tests really help us see how important that love, right? That yeah. support, that nurturing. Um, yeah, of course, nourishing as well, but but some of those parts of it, how important it is for for babies, for yeah. I mean for baby monkeys, for baby humans as well. There's there's also another study that I wanted to sort of also talk about really quickly because we're not into super clinical junk jargony stuff, but I feel like it's really important to kind of understand. Yeah. But there was a study also with human babies um, that they did and they would um, bring a baby into a room to like a playroom and they would see how the baby reacted when the mother left. And so baby A, you know, came into the room with mom, mom left and baby A started screaming, crying when mommy left and they, you know, they missed them. They, they did not settle down until mom came back. Then baby B um, was dropped off. Didn't really care that mommy left. The baby was like, right, whatever. I don't, I don't really care. Just did their own thing. And then baby C noticed that their mom left. They were like upset. But then they settled down and they played. And when she got back, they were excited to see her back. And and all of those identified the different attachment styles that those babies formed with their mm-hmm. mothers. So baby A was anxious, baby B was avoidant, and baby C was secure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I remember seeing that study too. That was a lot. Was I remember that video being like so dated, right? Like wasn't that yeah. like a study from like a really oh. long yeah, time yeah, yeah. ago? All what, these studies 60s, like yeah, ago. 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but it's so interesting too, because I think like working, like from my lens, like working primarily with mothers, it's like, there's a part of it that's natural and normal that a baby doesn't want at a certain age, right? Like doesn't want to be separate from mom. Mm-hmm. And I think that throws mom in a loop sometimes of like, oh my God, am I creating this like, like insecure attachment in my child because when I leave they freak out and cry and like should I not leave should I just stay I want them to know that I'm coming back so Mm -hmm. it's hard because especially when because yes we were all children which obviously we'll get into like that but also like when we start to have children and we see it from the other lens of like Mm -hmm. oh my god this just feels so heavy and what's like normal you know for children to experience with attachment versus like when does it become something that I'm like oh man like this is a real 
problem because I have a 23 month old like she's almost two and she's very much like she freaks out she can't watch me walk out of a door she's like (laughs) oh my god absolutely not I also think that's because she's not in daycare right I think experience matters some other kids that have more socialization maybe from an earlier age Mm -hmm. they're more accustomed to knowing oh mom drops me off and mom comes back whereas some children who don't have that they're 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 just not accustomed to that like mom never leaves me this is not great yeah. Right? So I think, you know, obviously looking at experience, like life experience for these young children can kind of dictate, you know, what their attachment's going to look like. I, I, I really appreciate bringing this up because this is such an important point that you're making right here. And I, I do want to speak to that. And, and what I would say to that is you're right, because it really depends. It depends on the situation, the age, the time, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's not so much about I mean, with you, obviously I know you and not to put you on the spot and use you as an example, but with, with your daughter, she is loved and she is cared for and she is supported and she is nurtured and nourished and she gets all of these things. And so if you drop her off somewhere and she cries and fusses and it gets really upset, it's not a reflection off of you. It's not a reflection off of neglect, but rather that's just, she's not in daycare and she's not used to it. And that, and that kind of is like, whether you, you let or don't let your kids sleep in bed with you and like whether uh-huh. you transition from that, right? It's it's oh, sort of gosh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's it's one of those things where yeah, you're right. One study, one thing out of context cannot determine what kind of right. uh, environment right. the kid lives in, but rather, yeah, like yeah. We, we I mean, know. if I get too far into like the unfortunate judgment within the motherhood community around that, like around attachment, we could have a whole episode just on that because exactly. Yeah. I mean, there are some moms that are like, you have to have separation from your baby because that's how they Mm -hmm. don't, you know, they don't have the insecure, insecure attachment. Then there's other parents that are like, no, like it's, it's nature and nurture. They want to be with their moms. It's okay that they sleep with their moms in bed or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you could go so far, you know, into that, but you know, exactly. It's it, the, the point is, is that it, it, it's going to look different and that just because right. your baby cries when you leave does not mean that you are neglectful of your baby, but just right. that they, they, you know, they have to experience some, something and, yeah. and it, it's more so also about the, the frequency, right? So to, to sort of talk to that, right. How, how it starts in, in childhood is even when you start to, you know, as a, as a child, you start to speak, you start to like be more independent, meaning like, I even mean like four-year-olds being more independent, they can like mm-hmm. walk or use the toilet, sure, you know, sure, things sure. like that. Um, but the, the point is, is that are my parents there for me? Right. And those of you that are listening, I assume are over the age of four. <laughs> Um, are you though um, or are you just like really really advanced <laughs> yeah or you're really advanced and then that's like, yeah right um but you're probably sitting there trying to reflect back at your childhood you know was I supported by my parents that I feel like I can come to them when I was mm-hmm. sad when I if I was bullied in school if I got a bad grade was I afraid of them did I need to kind of raise myself and my siblings or was I able to you know rely on my parents like yeah. as that's their job. Right. Um, and, and all of these things maybe did shape the attachment style that you are experiencing right now in your adulthood Mm -hmm. and the way that you see yourself within relationships. Right. Right. I used to work in therapeutic foster care and Mm -hmm. I just saw a lot, like, I mean, you can only imagine, I mean, you could imagine, you can't imagine like (laughs) the attachment you know, difficulties for some of these kids of, you know, their parents would lock them out of the house. They wouldn't have a sense of safety in terms of even shelter. They would lock the cabinets for food. You wouldn't be able to eat after a certain time or in between meals. So there was like a lot of food insecurity. I mean, it, it is, it, it, it can go so deep into like your childhood and how you felt around, obviously your caretakers, obviously, even how you Mm -hmm. felt around your friends, how you feel around food, how you feel around safety and shelter and all these things. And, you know, it can really, it can run pretty deep without even like consciously recognizing that. Exactly. Exactly. It is very unconscious, right? Mm -hmm. The way that we react to things. And, and to go back to that example that you just gave with foster care, it almost sounds like, and, and, you know, we'll go into the different types of attachment styles, but that idea of, um, I need support from the person that is my caregiver 
And also I know that they can't support me, right? Mm. That's very, that's disorganizing, right? That's Mm. that disorganized attachment style of, I need you and I'm going to ask for help. And also I know that you will not be helpful for me. Yeah. And, and that forms those, I mean, just, I just wanted to point it out what you described that sort of forms that attachment style of, I need someone. And I also don't think that I can trust them. Yeah. Yeah. And like, what a terror, just imagining a child like that, whether that was you as a child, like you listening as a child, or you know, a child like that, like, that's just, it's just so sad. Like, that's just so sad to think about. And like, no child deserves to feel that way, you know, towards their care, their caretaker. Absolutely not. Do you want to list the attachment style? Yeah. Yeah. So there's secure, avoidant, anxious, and disorganized. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can get right into all of those. I'm thinking, so what I will say, cause I'm, I'm actually writing a blog post about this now for my website. So it's oh, fun. This is great. top of mind. Um, and now I don't know about you and I want to start with anxious attachment. Cause I feel like this is the one that I hear about the most. First of all, I don't know about you. Is this what you feel as well? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. And I have a, I have a clinical theory that I want to share for why mm-hmm. I think that is why, why we therapists hear more about clients talking about anxious attachment rather than the other three. Mm-hmm. My, and, and tell me what you think, right? Like we mm-hmm. can disagree, but I'm thinking that for people that are anxiously attached they are so aware of it because it is so, the feelings are so invasive. They're so abrasive. We act on them very instinctively almost Mm. when we feel anxious, such as like checking our partner's phone, following them to work or, you know, uh, just examples, but, and we're kind of sick and tired of feeling that way. Mm. And and we know that it doesn't have to be that way. And people that typically come to therapy are the people that are kind of sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm. And they're saying, I'm, I'm done feeling like this and I want to grow from this, or I want to change this. What can I do? Right. Let me reflect on this. And so I don't know what you think about that. I think, I think that that sounds very valid. Yeah. Yeah, I think especially when you're just considering relationships and also like, obviously, like we can get into this too, a little bit, we can get into a little <laughs> bit of this too, as I jumble my words. Um, you know, a lot of this is also like, I mean, obviously trauma-based, yeah. you know, like the history of your relationships. And again, you can create these attachment styles. Yes. From childhood, of course, from your caregivers mm-hmm. and also from abusive relationships, you mm-hmm. know, and trauma relationships and just patterns of what you're you know, unfortunately what you've had to be accustomed to. And so you see a lot of that like anxious attachment when you've had a history of relationships where your partner wasn't trustworthy or they were relatively threatening or they didn't care about your boundaries. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like that can also, that can be a caregiver and it can also be like a history of, you know, difficult relationships. Absolutely. And, and also with friendships, I think, I I think you and I talked about this in our friendship episode, which I will say is our most popular episode. Um, Yeah. Because yeah, it is good to know because we, we actually don't think about it, but our attachment is also closely, or um, I was going to say it's closely attached. (laughs) Our attachment is closely attached. Um, I like it. Yeah. Whatever. Word of the day. Um, with our friendships, because I, I mean, I, I don't know one person doesn't matter their gender or sex that didn't experience some sort of conflict when they were younger with their friends, with their friend groups. And so that can also affect us moving forward, right? If Mm -hmm. we were bullied in middle school and lost all of our friends and all our friends turned their back on us and we, you know, are now adults and we're make trying to make friends as adults. it's, and to speak to that anxious attachment, it's sort of like, are you mad at me? Are you mad at Mm. me? And, and requiring that validation from others. And even when we do get it of like, no, like, like not, I'm sorry, not, no, no, I'm not mad at you. I love you. It's still that, like, I don't trust that though, because there's Mm. like a voice inside our, inside our head, inside our body and mind that's saying, no, because remember when yeah. you know, 20, whatever, when 
blah, 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 was mad at you for this. And they didn't tell you and you lost everyone. Mm -hmm. That's going to happen again. Right. And that's the same thing with everything with our parents and with our our romantic partners is, you know, we feel criticized internally. It's, it, it doesn't, it's not, whether that's like really happening or not, it feels like it is. And it's, it's so consuming. It's debilitating. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with that, like a lot of what you see with like that pattern of attachment is like, you know, needing Mm -hmm. a lot of attention from a partner or from a caregiver or from a friend or needing constant reassurance, you know, or being maybe criticized for being too clingy or too overbearing. Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, you find it difficult to uphold your and reinforce your boundaries if you even have any or know what they are. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think that that that's all so relatable, I think for a lot of people, specifically those in therapy. Yeah. Yeah. It is really relatable. And all of these things, you know, people hear them and they're like, something's wrong with me. I'm, I'm wrong. I'm bad. That's also not helpful. Right. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, no, these are just parts of us that require healing and very important word here is parts, right? This is just a part of us. There's also a part of us that does know how to love or be loved and it's there. Mm -hmm. It's, it must, it might be hidden and it might be underneath a lot of things, but it's yeah. there because whether that's having a positive person growing up, even if it was like a teacher, a nanny, a friend's parents, right? Mm-hmm. We, maybe we did receive something. And so focusing on that, because I, I feel like everyone's always like, how do I heal my attachment? <laughs> like, how do I yeah. heal my attachment wound? Um, and I mean, the the easiest way and also not easy, but I feel like the, I don't even want to say simplest, but like, the most straightforward way is I would say date or be friends with someone with a secure attachment. Like let them lead. Um, yeah. Because they're yeah. going to be so grounding for you. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's obviously not going to be the case for a lot of people. Um, yeah. And so I think managing our own expectations with ourselves and with others and challenging those thoughts. And that's really what therapy is for because like Maggie, you said before, one size does not fit all. One advice that we give one person is not going to be helpful for another person because everyone shows, everyone displays their symptoms differently. Right. Absolutely. And I'm curious, like in, I know you do work with a lot of individuals, but even just in your research or even in your own Mm -hmm. personal or professional experience, what are like the two most, like as a couple, like say a couple comes in or whatever. Yeah. A couple comes in. What would you say are the two attachment styles that you, I'm assuming probably one is anxious, (laughs) but like, what do you typically see on the other end? Like the other part of the couple? Yeah. So it's almost always anxious and avoidant. Mm, Sure. Yeah, sure. Isn't that fun? (laughs) It's, it's so, it's so hard. And it also makes sense why they are magnetic. Yeah. (laughs) They, because they both, and and I'll, I'll say why it's because they both feed into each other's narrative. So the anxiously attached partner says they don't actually love me and they don't want to be with me, but I want them so badly. And the avoidant partner is like, see, everyone's clingy and I should just be on my own. Mm. This validates my narrative that Mm. I just need to be self-directed and independent because this, this person's way too much for me. Right. And, and so, in turn, potentially minimizing their feelings and dismissing their feelings. Oh my gosh. And that whole, what that does for someone who feels anxiously attached when they feel really insecure and they're like, see, this person doesn't care about how I feel. And like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. that that's exactly it. I mean, research ju- does show that people with an anxious attachment style are more insecure and people with an avoidant attachment style are more secure, confident. Sure. Um, and I think I think the reason for that is, is for avoidant attachment style, they are less expressive, less emotive. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. let less people in. They yeah, maybe rely they... less on judgment yeah. or people's opinions. Exactly. Oh, they're stupid anyways. And, and mm-hmm. I, I, I say all of this just to also mention, like, we're not trying to villainize, villainize. Yeah. Villain. Yeah, I said no. villainify. <laughs> villainize. No, any vilify. that's a word. Vilify? Vil- mm-hmm. I think that's a word. Yep, but it, stick but, to it. But are we doing using vilify or villainize? Um, oh, I'm gonna say. Vil- right. uh, you know what? I think I'm gonna say either one, Leor. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want to make anyone the villain. 
<laughs> right. Okay. There we go. That. Um, we don't want to make anyone the villain here. We're both um, like so highly educated, you know. I know. <laughs> how do you spell two? No I'm kidding. Um, which two? Uh, don't ask me how to spell grief. Oh my god. Oh no no. Or no. receipt. Yeah. Or um, referral. I can never write referral. Oh, yeah, 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 no, yeah. not not a day separate. No. But anyway, <laughs> we, we digress. Um, but the <laughs> the point is, is that we we are the way that we are for a reason and nobody no one is a villain here we just you know it's important to be self-aware it's important of course to be kind to others and we we just we react based off of what we know what we've learned what has kept us alive thus far and again I'm going to use villainize vilify I'm just going to use them (laughs) I don't know if they're words we're just going to go with it but we can't vilify any of this or villainize any of this because if you think about avoidant attachment, sure. You're looking at this from the couple's lens of like, uh, this person's not meeting your needs and they're avoidant of you or they're dismissive of you. But why is that? So, yeah, right. Like, why is that? So, I mean, if you think about it, like maybe they didn't feel like they were comfortable, like being able to be intimate or to have these kinds of vulnerable conversations with a caregiver when they were growing up and they, where do you think they learned that independence? Right. Yeah. Or that, that kind of that idea of like, I don't need anyone. We all mm-hmm. need someone. We all need people. But like that lack of, I don't need, you know, that lack of connectedness or that lack of attachment. Right. That's, you know, sure. It's coming off on the, on the partner as like, this feels evil and villainous, but from the avoidant person, it's coming from a place of maybe some childhood trauma and neglect yeah. even. Yeah. And most of the time it is neglect, right? Because you had to learn how to be an adult as a child. That's, that can, that can be traumatizing, right? And can lead us to act in certain ways. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely very, (laughs) it's very hard to have a couple come in and, and, and just in general, be a couple that is anxious and avoidant because it's just two different such different attachment styles coming together now can can you make it work 100 percent, 100 percent. i mean there there are many couples that make it work it's you it's all about both be able to be committed to doing the work <laughs> exactly it's yep. on both ends i think exactly. a lot of times couples come in and go see he's the problem or he's the problem or she's mm-hmm. the problem or whatever the case yeah and it's very much individualized work as well as couples work yeah because it's two people coming in with two different backgrounds, as we yeah. always say, trying to form a life together. And yeah. and it's really, really hard. Um, but my my other point with that is, I mean, you can also have anxious and anxious, avoidant and avoidant. I mean, sure. it's it just depends. It depends also what you're coming into therapy for with your partner. Some mm-hmm. people also, what's called the intimacy dance, is you switch mm-hmm your roles. So when mm. we think of like an anxiously attached, we think of the pursuer and, and the avoidant, we think of the distancer and there might be a shift called the intimacy dance where, you know, they switch roles. And that, that is always like, so eye opening for the brief moment. And then once you go back to your original role, it's like, we forget what happened. Mm. Mm-hmm. We, we forget what it feels like because both partners can be like, Oh, wow. Well now I know what that feels like this doesn't Mm, feel very good Sure, you know how do I how do I change that and and if you have that momentum you can work on that and if you don't then it's actually just kind of a a lapse in time and then you go back to your old life yeah it's so hard to not impossible just really hard to undo what we've learned you know and how we've come to be and I think like one of the primary questions that we got a lot from the community was like, you know, can I have different attachment with different people? And, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, you can be securely attached to your parents and also be anxiously or avoid attached to significant others or partners or romantic interests. Like, you know, and, and that can also just be because, you know, maybe you didn't have the childhood trauma, but you had relationship trauma. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, so you do have different attachment styles. And I think when you're working with couples, it can be hard because there can be a lot of different things kind of happening yeah. at, you know, at, at play, you know, cause they could have different attachment with their parents or their caregivers than they do with their partners. 
Yeah. Something that I always say, cause I, I always ask that I always ask all my clients, like if they're coming in, they're telling me I'm anxiously attached and I'm like, okay. And what part of your life? And typically, you know, it's mm-hmm. relationships. I like that um, question. Yeah. And, and they say, so if, you know, let's say they say relationships, um, I always say, okay, well, what's your relationship like with your parents? And if they say, mm-hmm. oh, like, you know, they were always there for me. I say, okay, we have a base level. We have something mm-hmm. to refer to. We have an example. Or if they have a good relationship with their friends, great. Yeah. We have something to relate to. And yeah. and it's definitely possible, right? Even even if you were bullied nonstop as a as a kid to have strong, healthy friendships now, as an adult, I mean, that or teenager, whatever, however old you are. It doesn't need to four years old. Four years old. It doesn't need to dictate the rest of your life. You can mm-hmm. change it. It's but but it is gonna take work. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's it's so interesting, I think. And again, like just continuing to nail down the point that that point, Lior, is that, you know, attachment styles are hard. They're hard to work through, I think, you know, because you're, you're looking at an attachment style is basically, you know, the product of most of the time, some kind of, um, or an insecure attachment style, I should say, yeah. is most of the time the product of some kind of adverse life experience. Yeah. Right, like a like a trauma or an event or a series of experiences um, that were really hard for you. Mm-hmm. So you know you can say like, how do I change my attachment or how do I fix my attachment style? Um, it's not as simple as just like snapping your fingers and being like, oh, here's how you do it. It's deep. It could be really deep rooted, deep seated work, trauma work. Yeah, exactly, trauma work. Absolutely. Yeah. We didn't say that before, but attachment and trauma do work hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Right. We are the way that we are because of the things that we've experienced. And if that was adversity, like you said, with an insecure, meaning like the disorganized avoidant and uh, anxious, they're all Mm -hmm. the insecure attachments. um, That's, that's going to lead to, you know, I don't know, trouble, troubles in the future, right? Unless we really take a second and, and focus on them. Now, if you're sitting there and you're like, you know, I'm a really good compartmentalizer and I can compartmentalize everything and I'm fine. Uh, I mean, some of us can really do that and, and move and push through. And sometimes that's, that's just going to blow up eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And I even think like, you know, people think like, I know we, we were saying like, and I think a little in jest, like, oh, if you want to cure your your yeah. anxious attachment be with someone who has a secure attachment yeah like, you know like they will save you um, yeah no. <laughs> but it's, it's just yeah it's just not the case and again like I even relate it to like again working in foster care it's like you can bring a child who has had you know such horrible terrible trauma into a loving and nurturing home mm-hmm. that is secure and that wants to help and wants to like you know show this child that you can trust and you can be intimate and you can be vulnerable and you can be safe um, that's not going to fix everything for that, yep. for that child. Um, and that goes to be said for us as well. Like you're still going to carry a lot of that trauma with you, even if you're in a relationship that, and you're like, my partner is great. And I still just can't like, I still can't get through with some of these things or it's, this is yeah. still really hard for me. So we also want normal. It's not that easy to just be like, no, oh, let me find someone with a secure attachment and hook myself no. to that. <laughs> Right. And that's why, you know, I think when we said it, we were just kind of like, oh, it's just so easy. Yeah. It's not. And, yeah. and no. And I think like to, because, you know, of course it's different when we talk about kids and we talk about adults, but to take that adult perspective now, if if you're noticing yourself like this ain't working for me anymore and I really need to switch gears here and, and, and you're sitting there and you're like, this isn't freaking fair that mm-hmm. I had this childhood that made me the way that I am. You're right. It's not fair. And, and I think the hardest lesson I've ever heard, I've ever learned in life was that life isn't fair mm-hmm. and that it, it's, it's really, it's, it's a really upsetting thing to think about. And also I hope that listening to this, it can also feel motivating to know that you can be as an adult in charge of your life and you yeah. get to make now the decision to overcome something again, not fair, not fair. No one's saying yeah. it's fair because it's not. Um, but that you do have the power now as an adult to really heal through that Mm. because that that's what it is. It's a wound. It's a wound. We put salt on the wound and it really freaking hurts and then it gets better and it heals. 
Yeah, I think that that's a really, really beautiful message, Lior, because you're right. Like we cannot change the trauma that happened to you. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't change those experiences that have happened in your life. And, you know, we can't make you forget them or pretend they never happened, or they might always impact you in certain ways. And also recognizing that there are things you can do to make it hurt a little less and yeah. to heal a little bit and to actively work on just like increasing your quality of life. Yeah. Yeah. Health. <laughs> and like Natasha Bedingfield always says, the rest is still unwritten. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I always <Yeah>. love like when, <laughs> when I'm with clients, I'm always, I always pick like song lyrics and I'm like, you know, no, you this don't. Song? Yeah. Yes. And then we sing together. No. <laughs> This is why your retention is so good. You just, you just, you, you're pulling these things that are just top notch therapeutic shit. Yeah. Just uh, <laughs> wait, let me talk okay. about Natasha Bedingfield really quick while we're talking about your really terrible trauma. No, but do you remember? <laughs> but the, the point is, is that it, the point that I'm making is look, like it, it is really serious. And also yeah. we want to loosen it up a little bit. It can be better. It's really hard. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. really hard. And mm-hmm we don't want that to be all consuming and taking it step by step. Um, But the funny thing is, is that I think in another one of our sessions, I also quoted a song. I think I, everyone needs to go back and listen to all of our sessions. Honestly, I think I think, yeah, Mm -hmm. it was the, when it's over, that's Mm -hmm. Sugar Ray. Yeah. That's my favorite. (laughs) Like when you break up and you're like, ah, now I don't remember any of the bad stuff. Um, (laughs) That's a reminder for us anxiously attached people. Oh, it's too good when it's over it's over um but right okay so so I mean I I think just to speak to really quickly so we talked a little bit about anxiously attached um a little bit about avoidant um mm-hmm. attachment and how they're kind of a little bit more self-reliant and like self-sufficient they could be on their own um again they're not villains they're just reacting based off of their lived experiences um, I like the anxiously attached and then the, the disorganized attachment, which I have gotten a lot of questions on, on my question box, um, which I was really surprised about because I feel like that's the one that isn't really talked about a lot. Agreed. Um, yeah. yeah. So disorganized attachment is when you kind of have both anxious and avoidant. Um, a lot of the times as you get older, those are, um, typically it's associated also not only, but also with borderline personality disorder. Um, and it's, and it's basically it's it's a really it's a really hard battle of having two emotions sort of two reactions and in, in extremes two extremes mm-hmm. yeah exactly and so um i know you know we wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit it's again it's not one that's like often talked about mm-hmm. um but i think it's really hard being intimate with partners when we want to go to them and we want to trust them. And then also at the same time, we don't. Right. No, I agree. I think that I can like, even just like in like looking up, if you were to just like look up or Google, Mm -hmm. like disorganized attachment, like you can see how that relates to like, you know, potential personality disorder. Yeah. You know, even just thinking like, you know, struggling to self-soothe or, you know, feeling unsafe in a relationship and you kind of like oscillate between like, mm-hmm. you know, the swinging between like emotional extremes. Like I love my partner and, and, and you also hate your partner and this like push pull, this turmoil in relationships and, you know, um, you know, maybe being considered like insensitive or selfish or controlling, or you might even mm-hmm. like, um, have some struggles with like, uh, alcohol or drug use. Mm-hmm. Um, and like some people might say like, you know, you don't have a regard for other people's feelings or impulse control or whatever the case. Um, and you can see how that could be relatable to personality (laughs) struggles. Right. And I think to speak to like the substance use is, is we try to numb these, these Mm. two really intense. Yeah. It's it's hard to feel at the same time. 
Yeah. To, and, and to just to oscillate between the two and, and feeling like, you know, I love you, but I can't trust you. And I, I want mm. to be intimate with you. I it's like, it's, it's so hard because you want this so badly. And yet there is that blocking belief that's, that's keeping you away from allowing yourself to actually be with that person. And that, you know, that could be really confusing for, for the partner or the person that you're dating or, or even friends of like, you know, what, what's happening and if it's confusing for others it means it's really confusing for us and and yeah. we just want to say like it is it's it's definitely a strike a struggle to maintain close relationships with disorganized and it's also not doesn't have to be that way right it we can learn to work through that we can learn to understand what are these blocking beliefs what's making our our boundaries diffuse versus rigid versus mm you know, what, what am I okay with? And what's my non-negotiables, which I think you and I talk a lot about non-negotiables stuff sure, in, yeah. in other episodes. Um, but it's, I, I just, I say this again, because I don't want to villainize, vilify, villainous. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to look up all these words and I see how yeah. much we're like messing up. <laughs> yeah. Or people are probably like, wow, this is, this is it. Um, this is the last episode. No. Okay. Um, but, but it's like, <laughs> You know, a lot of our attachment is based off of our, our sense of worth, self-worth, and it's, I don't know, just give people some patience and with, with them, with yourself, with everyone, you know, yeah. it's, it's really hard. Yeah. And recognizing too, that the insecure attachments, like the avoidant, you know, anxious, disorganized, yeah. a lot of times are coming from a history of trauma, abuse, mm -hmm. neglect. Um, it's not just popping up out of nowhere for the most part. So yeah. keeping that into consideration, like if you have a friend who struggles yeah. with one of the insecure attachments or you're with a partner, you know, who struggles with one of the insecure attachments, recognizing that it's not purposeful, you exactly. know, it's not purposeful behavior. It's oftentimes learned behavior for survival, what you've been taught or, you know, um, how you've learned to just cope in terms of, you know, your relationships and, yeah. You're smiling and I don't know if I'm <laughs> what did I do? I didn't do anything. <laughs> I didn't do anything? I'm smiling because I'm just waiting to respond to you with I love that. Oh, okay. I'm like crab. Am I am I just like I'm not on the I'm not on the mark today, guys. Like I'm coming out of a terrible stomach bug flu thing. And you know, if I'm saying anything that doesn't make any sense, I'm just going to say, you know, I'm sorry. No, okay. <laughs> That's usually me. And guys, I, because we're not going to edit this out. I want to keep this in because it's actually hilarious. Right. Ma Maggie, no, Maggie and I literally make fun of me every single session because I, I say, I love that. Now everyone's going to start counting this and totally throwing oh, myself so under funny. a bus. I say, I love that all the time. And I mean it, but sometimes it's because I totally zone out and I have no idea what Maggie is saying. So I'm saying, I love that. Um, and that feels like saying. really good as the receiver <laughs> of that to know that her, that Lior's I love that's are often like Maggie, you're so boring. <laughs> <laughs> Remember we give patience to others and yeah. it's not purposeful. Yeah. And remember like, yes, a lot of, so like we, our title of our podcast is therapist out of office. And we talk a lot about all yeah. the clinical stuff and also recognizing like, you know, we are out of office. So we are kind of also <laughs> at the same time shooting the shit. Yeah. Time. Well, I want to be authentic. That's why I think we wanted to do a podcast in the first place is to be ourselves, yeah. not to be these like robots. That's not who we are. Yeah, no. And sometimes we're, I'm fallible. Like, I, Right. Absolutely. And like, as much as we like research these things and we're educated on these things, we're not always going to say stuff that's like accurate all the time. And like, yeah. or it's outdated or it's like, I yeah. misquoted something or this research study I talked about, I got the numbers wrong, whatever. And like, we're cool. Like we hope to not do that. We would never do it purposely. Um, but if that ever happens, we're like, cool. being like, Oh shit, I fucked up. You know, I said, that, that's not right. <laughs> I got, let, me, let me retract that, you know? So, you know, happens thanks for bearing with us. Thanks happens for bearing with us. <laughs> but the, the last one the only one we didn't talk about is secure, secure attachment yeah so actually first of all i don't know if anyone can hear the ice cream truck in the background i hope not okay great no, um I I, what i want to say about a, a, a secure attachment style is that it doesn't mean that you're just like happy go lucky easy breezy beautiful cover girl it yes. it, it means that <laughs> maggie like that one um <laughs> that was good um I just wasn't it, like expecting it I just yeah <laughs> you just, and the pop culture man you're on it 
I am. Oh, I gotta get off. This is why I'm off social media now because I can't. I can't. I can't. It's She's a part of my life. Media. Well, I yeah. No, I'm I'm browsing social media now. Um, but the, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're just like whatever. It means that you handle things as they come. So if you have a, an argument with your with your friend or with your partner, you don't just say, "Are you mad at you? Are you mad at me?" or a few, like, I don't care, I'm out. but I'm out, but you're kind of like, Hey, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I upset you in some way. Can we talk through this? Can we talk about this? Can we, what, how, you know, what, what does the resolution look like for us? I think that right. like resolution is going to be really important for coming from securely attached individuals of like, mm-hmm. you know, I understand that you're mad at me or you're upset with me and that happens and it's okay. How can I make it better? How can we work through this? Yeah. Yeah. I now hear the ice cream truck, but that's okay. I think it'll provide a lot of people joy. Yeah. Um, also, I'm most likely going to have ice cream when this session is over. <laughs> um, I'm, I have been uh, classically conditioned <laughs> when I hear when I hear these ice cream bells. I will. Salivating. <laughs> You're immediately salivating. My dog is deathly afraid of the ice cream, man. He is oh, like, so oh my God, it's his like arch nemesis, like oh in God. nightmare. I don't know so if he... you all can tell what listening, like we're not recording at our normal time. It is like 7 PM. So we're both yeah. like, I think we're both a little, a little silly from the, from the day. We're a the sleepy silly. ha-has. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's um, a good reframe. Silly. Yeah. We're a little silly. We're a little, our brains are a little bit fried because we've both had full days, <laughs> but okay. So yes, I think I, I love that Lior. <laughs> I love I love what you said. I love that though. I love that. <laughs> um, but you're right. Like, yes, secure attachment does not mean that your relationship doesn't have any problems ever, you know, or that any relation you can, you can still have discourse or disagreements or confrontation or what have you with a friend, a family member, your loved one, your significant other, whatever, like those stink, those things still exist. It's just that your self-worth is not necessarily going to change and your security in the relationship is not necessarily going to change. Yeah. Right. And like, you know, you're, you are, you're willing to accept and give support, right? Like you're willing to accept the support, give the support. You're looking for that kind of like emotional balance and looking for healthy ways to manage conflict. Um, and like, sure, there will sometimes still be setbacks and disappointments and things that you struggle with. Um, but for the most part, you know, it's not rooted in any kind of like major um, emotional distress or turmoil. Exactly. Exactly. It's and and to even more simply put, it's like if someone says, "Hey, I need space from you," you're like, "Okay, noted. A boundary mm-hmm. taken, and I will yeah. reach out when you feel, or you will reach out when you feel ready to talk to me. And yeah. if I don't hear from you, maybe I'll reach out, but I will respect that if you don't. Yes. Or like if you don't get the job that you applied for or that you interviewed for, mm-hmm. and not that you're not sad, you're most likely yeah. definitely sad. However, you're like, okay, well then maybe that just wasn't the right one for me. Or, you know, maybe, um, my skills are better elsewhere. It doesn't have anything to do with my ability, my capability, my strengths. It just wasn't the place for me. Whereas some people might, you know, with insecure attachment, my insecure attachment might say like, I'm worthless, you know, I'm not good enough for this job. You know, it might become more of a personal meaning, you know, to you. Right. That's where that self-confidence, self-worth comes in. So yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the need to belong is one of the main forces that drives all of us. And Mm -hmm. and however that looks, um, (laughs) now my dog, my dog's gonna (laughs) go attack that ice cream truck. I I only heard that very slightly. Um, (laughs) but before we digress, we talked about how you can have different attachment styles with everyone, including your therapist, right? A lot of people do feel that way towards their therapist, like, um, anxiously attached, um, and wanting like that constant, like, am I doing a good job? Am I, you know, like, yeah. like needing that reassurance. And also like, if, you know, therapists either go on maternity leave or go on a long vacation or are moving things like that, it can stir up a lot of like abandonment, you know, those kinds of thoughts mm. and feelings. So all that is, you know, it, it is a common thing, you know, to experience with your therapist. So I don't know if you want to touch on that. Yeah. And I, I think what I will say to, to that is tell, tell your therapist, you're feeling that yeah. express this to them. This is the place to be able to open up and heal through those, those feelings, those thoughts, those intrusive thoughts, right. They can mm-hmm. feel like that even, um, that is the place to be. And 
it's very common. It's very normal. Like you said, it's a question that we actually both got a few times. Um, and because we feel safe with our therapists, we feel yeah. like we can trust them and rely on them. And, and if that's a, a place for you to start with, like trust, like learning how to trust and learning yeah. to like lean into things, then that should be the person also that you feel the comfortable with. Yeah. Cause for a lot of people, your therapist is like the one person that you feel most safe being vulnerable with and vulnerability yes. is scary, right? Like yeah. you're putting your heart on the line, you know, your yeah. thoughts and feelings and emotions on the line. So, um, it is a common experience. And, you know, I also, I think one of the questions too, is like, you know, if I have an insecure attachment style, am I broken? You're not a broken person. No. You're never a broken person. You're just, a, just person a part had really tough things happen to them. And then in terms of changing your attachment style, I think that you touched on that a little bit. Um, and I would really just say a large part of it is therapeutic work. I can't like harp on that enough in terms, cause it's again, really deep rooted stuff. Again, trauma, it's not stuff yeah. that you can just like heal from overnight. So it's really, really beneficial to have a really supportive, educated professional person, you know, to help you through that, to unpack a lot of that. Cause it can be a lot. Yeah. And, and, and again, therapists are objective people that help you make connections to mm -hmm. see things that we don't see with our own eyes. Somebody had told me about this analogy and I just, I think it's really great because it kind of relates to a lot of our experiences where like, if you were to take a book and you were to hold it right up next to your, like open it and, and hold it right up next to your nose, you're not going to be able to read any of the words on the pages, but the further and further that you pull the book away from your nose, the more clearly you will see the words and the letters on the page. So that's exactly like our life. Sometimes when we're too close to it, when we're too close to the event, to the life, to the experience, we can't see it clearly. So the further away someone is from it, the more likely you will get feedback and support and be able to make sense of all the letters and pages and words. I love that. I love that analogy. I feel like we should say this in every session, at the end of every session. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's a good perspective to have for sure. Because yes. even therapists were like, why can't we solve our own problems? Well, our noses are in the book. That's yeah. why. I love that. I love that. I love that for you. <laughs> what a good journey. Yeah. <laughs> I love that for you. Oh, that's going to be my new one. I love that for you. That's a great, great um, tagline. All right. My dog <laughs> is saying, it. this is it. He's saying, yeah. stop it. And yeah. gonna fight the ice cream truck. So thank you guys so much for being here with us. We love yeah. you. Thanks for hanging in there and for handling our silliness post when the sun goes down. <laughs> <laughs> we turn into wolves. Yeah, right. Into yeah, exactly. Um, so okay, great. Well, we will see you soon for the next episode, and we appreciate you. And obviously, follow us on Therapist Out of Office on instagram and follow our separate accounts lior is at the therapy gal i am at therapy with maggie lpc and we will be back in the next two weeks with the next episode yay session. bye we love you bye If you'd like to be a part of our community, ask us questions, be involved, laugh your tuchus off, and enjoy some hand-drawn art, don't hesitate to follow us on our socials, both Instagram and TikTok, at the Therapy Gal for me, Lior, and at Therapy with Maggie LPC for me, Maggie, and our shared Instagram at Therapist Out of Office. Write a review, follow, subscribe, check us out on YouTube if you want to watch, listen to our podcast on most major platforms. We cannot extend our gratitude enough. Thank you all for being here and for being a part of this. We love you.